the Blue Marine Foundation podcast, sharing our passion for the wonders of the ocean. Hello, I'm Rebecca Daniel, the Marketing and Communications Lead at Blue Marine Foundation, and this is one of three podcasts celebrating the 2023 Ocean Awards. Zandi Delovu is the winner of this year's Public Awareness Award in the local category. This award recognises an individual or group that has had an impact on ocean management and public understanding of ocean issues. This can be through campaigning, advocacy, media, art or educational programmes. Zandi's work centres around inspiring others, challenging the status quo and promoting diversity in ocean spaces. She is the founder of the Black Mermaid Foundation, an ambassador for Paddy and the 11th Hour Racing, and an influencer for Nikon South Africa. She has featured in several publications and films, spoken at events, contributed to the book Women and Water, and most recently launched her own children's book, Zandi's Song. She's had so many incredible achievements so far, but this is just the tip of the iceberg. Zandi, it is so amazing to finally meet you. And firstly, a massive congratulations for winning the Local Public Awareness Award. And um, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Rebecca, thank you so much for having me. That was also just the most beautiful introduction. I was sitting here thinking, is that me? (laughs) I love it. Thank you so much. Yeah, it is you. And um, yeah, I hope you're super proud of all of your achievements. It's, um, It's just incredible. So taking it right back to your origin story, where do you think uh, your love for the ocean came from or how did your ocean journey start? You know, Rebecca, that's a good question because my love for the ocean came later in life. I didn't grow up anywhere near the ocean. I grew up in a landlocked area. And so for me, I would say, you know, it was in 2016 when I had my first ever snorkel trip and I just fell in love with the ocean. As someone who had not grown up, anywhere near water and didn't know what that world looked like, it was easily the moment that just changed my life. I could not believe the life that lived beneath the surface and I knew I wanted to know more. And can you tell me a little bit about that that first experience? What, what was it like? So it was 2016 in Bali and we pretty much, there's this guy who's going out on the snorkel trip and I end up going with. And from the moment I jumped into the water, number one, I had a whole freak out when the boat was leaving shore. But the second freak out was when I jumped into the water and I just started screaming, I'm drowning, I'm drowning. I was nowhere near drowning. It was just the, it was just the fear of not having your feet touch the ground. But from that moment, I just remember seeing this moray eel make its way into frame. And it was one of the most beautiful things I'd ever seen because I felt like it looked like me in a kind of way. And I think the ocean for me in that moment was just the realization that everything looks different, but it's the most normal thing. It's normal for everything to look the way that it does. And there was a school of these yellow fish to this day. I still can't remember what they were, but they were like bright yellow. And it was it was beautiful. And it was in this moment that I, I ultimately felt at home and I knew I'd found belonging in the ocean. It was really beautiful. So you mentioned, you know, some incredible wildlife there through your kind of free diving journey uh, since 2016. You must have seen some really, really fantastic wildlife. Do you have a particular kind of happy place or a really incredible experience with ocean wildlife that you'd like to share? 
Um, can I share two? <laughs> Go on then. <laughs> so it was, I have to say, my first time seeing a humpback whale, uh, mom and calf. That was amazing for me because we didn't think that we'd get around to seeing them. And then just somehow we were finning in one direction and you just, you fin into this massive eye and you don't, that was probably one of the most incredible sights, but then also seeing the little calf not be able to use its tail yet. Um, it was easily just probably the most, the most delicate sight. And it just reminds us of our connectedness. But in this moment, I could not fin not one more forward. I couldn't do anything. I just stopped and I just started crying. It was, it felt so surreal and so out of the human experience that it was really powerful. And uh, the second experience was with dolphins, realizing how they hear our voices and they hear our laughs and they love our joy. Um, that was easily one of the most incredible experiences, having this bottlenose dolphin go around me. And as I just was laughing, the dolphin was just spinning faster and faster. It was, it was a really beautiful experience. Well, yeah, thank you so much for, for sharing both of those. Uh, I hope to be able to swim with a humpback whale and calf and dolphins <laughs> one day myself. <laughs> this is something that uh, you really, really champion, uh, and that's diversity. And diversity is obviously incredibly important in ocean conservation and wildlife conservation in general. Um, you know, my personal view is that the problems the ocean uh, is facing are really varied, they're really complex, and we we really need people from all different backgrounds and walks of life to, to be involved in the conversation and finding solutions to those problems. So this kind of is all about what your mission for the Black Mermaid Foundation is. Could you tell us a bit more about that and the activities that, that you provide through it? Yes, diverse representation is important. I keep on saying representation is important because we need all hands on deck if we are to save our oceans, right? What we do in the foundation, I work with kids in Langa in Cape Town and I pick them up. The kids live about 40 minutes from this really nice beach to swim at and we go out on a snorkel trip. But how it starts is we learn about what we're gonna come across, the marine life that we're gonna come across because I don't want anyone to freak out but the kids freak out anyway. <laughs> and um, But we also speak about the challenges that the ocean is facing. We talk about plastic, we talk about overfishing, we talk about sharks, we talk about everything. And then we hop into the water and we go on the snorkel excursion. And it's crazy because most of the kids always start like in terror. The word is terror. But somehow someone will say, I'll step up, I'll go, I'll see. And... Uh, and then we go out and it's always just so incredible because once you see the moment when the fear translates into curiosity and then it just, it's this, it's this commitment, this connection, it's a really, really beautiful experience. Well, I always cry. I always have, like, I have never not cried when a kid says, oh, look, it's a starfish. It's one of those moments that tells you that when we let go of our fear just long enough, we're able to see something incredible. And so my work just says, how do we create access? How do we expand the narrative? How do we expand the dreams that we have in our communities on what is possible? But also, what does it mean to find the wonder in the ocean that I found 
It's amazing that you're empowering so many of these children. In your experience, what do you think are some of the the main barriers that are kind of preventing people of colour from from entering ocean conservation, but also just the ocean in general, and um, particularly in South Africa? I would say first, it speaks to the historical aspect. So South Africa has a horrible history of apartheid, and aside from people being dispossessed from their ocean-facing homes was people could face jail time for being at the wrong beach, a white beach by that by that um, reference. And so from there was a disconnection to ocean spaces. Two is the stories that we grow up with around water. And these stories pretty much say, we shouldn't be anywhere near the water. And it kind of speaks to what lives in the water, snakes, ancestors, the stories there. But three, is the financial barrier. So when you think of financial barrier, but also skill scarcity, a lot of people don't know how to swim. And if you don't know how to swim, how do you end up um, in the ocean space? Our third highest cause of incidental death in South Africa is drowning, right? And so that just tells you even more that in that drowning, that large number is black people. And so if you don't have the skills accessible to be able to learn how to swim, how do you begin? And then from that, you need money to be able to do all of these explorations, to hire the wetsuit, to get to the beach, to get to the nice beach. And again, people are people that can be very difficult. If people cannot access those skills and people are focused first on survival, people aren't going to use money towards ocean facing leisure when people have first line problems of sustenance and shelter. And you kind of touched on this a little bit in uh, The Black Mermaid, the the film that you uh, feature in on Water Bear. And you kind of share your, your journey from really fearing to absolutely loving the sea and then ultimately being able to go on the sardine run, which, uh, you know, is a very expensive excursion that most people won't get to um, experience. How do you hope that um, this film, as well as uh, Shaped by the Water, the other film that you're in, uh, how do you hope that they will inspire a new generation of, of kind of black ocean guardians? Thank you so much for that beautiful question. My hope is, you know, I often say representation matters. When you see yourself, you begin to believe that you can too. When you see someone that looks like you, you begin to expand the possibilities. And so when I think of the story that I tell, someone who comes from a landlocked area, that's so many people. But also there's some there's so many people that live close to the ocean and still have no access to the ocean. And so it's a hope to redefine narratives of when we can start realizing that it's not too late and regardless of where you come from you could really um, participate meaningfully in the ocean space and just that physical representation to see that over and over again kind of places a comfort to your fears and so that for me is the hope when i think of the black mermaid film and shaped by water I'm, I'm really proud of these films because of how the story starts. Many ocean conservation films start in the middle. They don't, they don't come for the people who aren't already a part of the conversation. And so how we make films matters. Nuance matters. Inviting people who aren't part of the WhatsApp group matters. How do we start the conversation at a place that invites instead of assuming that, oh, everybody already knows this. You don't know what you don't know. And so in how we tell stories, my, my question continuously says, 
how do we invite more people to the table? Yeah, exactly. A fantastic example is the remake of The Little Mermaid. Um, how, how do you kind of feel uh, seeing kind of more and more mainstream representation, uh, particularly in, in leading roles like that for, for black women? It is the most beautiful dream to witness. It is the most beautiful thing to see. You kind of realize you're like, well, I'm this, you know, the smaller human in the world. But when you get platforms like Disney, when you get platforms that are so far reaching, it is so powerful to see Ariel underwater begins to bring everyone closer to the to the space. It says, hey, what is that? And so the Little Mermaid brings us into a place of curiosity. What is that bird that dives into the water that kind of stays with Ariel? It's a gannet. The whole idea says, what does it mean to bring us closer to the space of curiosity? And so I'm so excited for The Little Mermaid because in all the ways, curiosity is opened up. And in that opening is a really new opportunity for the ocean space, for ocean guardians, for these little people to take this ocean space as their own too that representation matters. And for me, it makes me really excited for the future. It's powerfully exciting. Definitely. And uh, yeah, I can't, I can't wait to watch it. I think, um, you know, we, we still, unfortunately, do have a long way to go in terms of actually increasing diversity across the whole of ocean conservation. One of the things that you've recently launched is your, your children's book, Zandi's Song. Could you tell us a little bit more about that and you know what inspired you to, to publish it or what you're hoping to achieve with the book? This is a heart's dream, right? The story is a heart's dream. Zandi's song is this book. It speaks of a girl that lives far from the ocean and she, you know, she gets these dreams, the ocean calling her, and she ends up going on this whole exploration in the sea. But it it obviously has parts of conservation, it has parts of exploration, and it has the part where she gets to go back to her community and invites everyone to come and be the collective change. It's such a beautiful story because I don't think we have a lot of those books that speaks of a girl from a township. It's the story that says you are an unlikely start and yet there you are and you become the voice for. It, it really feels like your your career and your impact is just skyrocketing, which is so exciting. And, you know, I can't wait to, to see what you do next. What are your kind of hopes for the future, both uh, short term and, and long term? My hopes for the future is to see a beautifully diverse, diversely represented ocean space when we attend events to have diverse panels. Um, when we look at ocean exploration and the ocean storytellers, we already have uh, Disney making The Little Mermaid. And so we're moving into the space that is saying all of us belong in the ocean. So that's already powerful. Short term, I want to see the Black Mermaid Foundation grow in South Africa, so to have more hubs coastally, long-term, grow continentally. I really want to find a space that says, how do we connect over and over again with our waters? Because the first story is not complete. Black people are water people. The story that says black people aren't water people is not only incorrect, but it's also incomplete. It speaks of a horrible history 
and it speaks to a people who have held on to an incomplete truth. And so what does it mean to open up that space, open up that narrative so that we don't live only in a single narrative? And um, and yes, traveling again, you know, finding partnerships globally that enable us to be able to do this work, expanding both in South Africa and along the African continent. That's the biggest dream. Thank you so much for your time. Is there anything that you wanted to say or a few final words um, or anything that you feel that we we missed out that you'd like to mention? Maybe in closing, I just want to share three things. Zandi's song is available for pre-order and it should be available internationally soon. Uh, Shaped by Water, if you go over to 11th Hour Racing, you can sign up to be a part of the newsletter and that way you'll know when it's coming out or when it's screening at a town near you. But also you can contact 11th Hour Racing if you want to screen it in your part of the world. And three, just a beautiful reminder that you don't need anyone's permission to start. If you want to do anything in the conservation space, it starts by you doing exactly what you want to do. People rally what you do. They don't rally what you say you will do. And so start doing it. And I promise you along the way, people will come and hold your hand and help amplify the work that you're already doing. Well, thank you so much, Sandy, for coming on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Congrats again on the award, which is a massive achievement and good luck with everything that you do. Thank you for having me. Cheers. The Blue Marine Foundation podcast. For more episodes and information, go to bluemarinefoundation.com.